Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. So, all things shall be well. Powerful message for us to remember, especially in challenging times. Somebody else who lived in challenging times was a woman by the name of Julian of Norwich. Any of you familiar with her? She was a 14th century anchoress, so she was a woman who lived a kind of a hermit life devoted to prayer in England, surviving any number of horrible things, including the Black Death. And in her writings, which are some of the oldest writings by a woman in the English language, One of her refrains is, all manner of things shall be well. So so we have a song today inspired by the 14th century and a very powerful woman who made an impact on, on the life of faith for many folks. So here's a question, and it's always the question for people of faith, how do we live the faith we know? How do we live the faith we know in our personal lives, in our shared life here in community, or beyond the walls in the greater community at large? So a quick recap of what we teach in Unity might be really helpful. So if you have a hand, I invite you to get it out. So So we have five basic principles. I'm going to give you a version that we teach children to make it really easy. And for those of us who are Uh, children emeritus status, uh, it's very helpful because anything we can do to remember anything, especially why we walked into a room, is very helpful. First principle, nature of God is altogether good. Short form is God is. Second principle, that divinity that God is, that inherent goodness is what I am. So God is, I am. Third principle, through the quality of my thinking and feeling, I create the experience of my world. I think. Fourth principle, through the power of prayer and meditation and all of its iterations, I stay connected to the God of my understanding, or even God as I don't understand God to be, that wonderful divine mystery. So I pray. Fifth principle, it's not just enough to know the truth. I have to live the truth. I know. I live. So again, everybody get a hand. God is. I am. I think and feel. I pray. I live. There you go. The unity in a nutshell. So living the truth we know in challenging times is sometimes challenging, right? So recently, I was at the Chautauqua Institute in western New York. Anybody here familiar with the Chautauqua Institute? So for 149 years, they've been gathering on the shores of Chautauqua Lake in a 750-acre sort of Victorian campus for the purpose of providing programs of arts and education, spirituality, and the relevant issues of the day. And so probably 700, uh, I mean, 7,500 people a week come for their nine-week season. And for the last two years, I've been invited by Unity of Chautauqua to be a minister in residence, which is quite an honor. So as a part of that experience, I led a Sunday service for Unity of Chautauqua, a daily meditation, and then presented a class. It's really a wonderful experience. If you get a chance to go, go. So that's enough said about that. Each of the weeks of their nine-week season has a theme. And so the theme of week three when I was there two weeks ago was, Can the Center Hold?, 
a question for our moment. And parallel to the overarching theme uh, for which there is a keynote lecture every day, there is an interfaith theme as well, because there are a lot of faith communities are represented. It's part and parcel of the Chautauqua experience. And so the interfaith theme this year was health and faith, considering the center of well-being in partnership with Interfaith America. So we had two very similar tracks that kind of addressed some of the resident anxieties that many of us have been feeling owing to the challenges of our time. So would you agree with me we have some challenging times we're in now? Well, in the main keynote, there were three of the lecturers who really addressed the topic from looking at our current political situation in the U.S. and addressing the polarization that uh, is problematic in our times. And then in the interfaith lecture, they're looking at how does faith impact our health, especially in challenging times. Well, one of the speakers addressing this notion of the, can the center hold from a political point of view actually posited an answer that was drawn from the uh, Jewish faith tradition. And this is what is referred to as the call of Abraham. And I'll just read to you briefly from Genesis what is the call of Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. That's the call. You might think, well, that's no big deal. But at this point, Abram was 75 years old. He and his wife had no children. And there's this notion and this, this pull you got to leave and go do something different someplace else. In other words, give up all of your known certainties. Give up your attachments. Trust in the process. Trust in what we would say divine inspiration, that it's time to get a move on. Because nothing ever stays the same. One of the ways in which we create suffering in our lives is that anticipation and that expectation that everything will be the same as it was. Well, if we've learned anything in the COVID experience, that's not really a guarantee. Because what we found in these last few years of the COVID experience is that things changed radically, dramatically, in ways none of us could see coming. And in part, that was kind of awful, but not totally. You know, one of the things we're known for in the unity movement is looking for the good. Because if we tell our minds that there must be something good here and go looking for it, in all probability, we'll find it. So there were a few good things. I want to bring those up to you. One of them, which I hadn't thought about, I don't have children, was as a result of parents having to be home. They were home with their kids. And one of the speakers pointed out that what happens in our culture in, uh, here in, the, in this country is families get up in the morning, kids go off several miles to school that way, parents go to work several miles that way. They eventually come home after work and after school and after sports and whatnot, and then do homework and do work work, and then go home and go to bed. It's like, but in this experience, many families, whether they wanted it or not, got the opportunity, let's spend more time together. 
You see, this concept of the nuclear family that we live in, which is sometimes a thermonuclear family, is very different from how it is in many parts of the world where your village, your family, your people are all together caring and loving for one another. Whereas too often, to our detriment, we become too isolated, too insular. COVID has said to us, you know, you might want to rethink that and be intentional about spending time together. And when we couldn't go out and do all the various things that we were accustomed to, we had to be more creative about how will we invest our time. And I say invest because more often than not, we had the opportunity to invest it in the people who were closest to us. It wasn't all bad. One of the advantages of the COVID experience was less commuting. Less commuting means less air pollution. Less air pollution means cleaner air. You remember all the shots from around the world when the pandemic started and the haze lifted and the mountains could be seen? It's a reminder for us that what we do has an impact in the environment. Perhaps we could do better about caring for the environment and look at our assumptions about how we work and where we work. You know, there are a lot of folks now who are thinking, I really like working at home. I'm just as productive, and I have more time. The one thing you cannot save, more time. More time with my family, more time with myself, more time. Less time on I-66 visiting with all those other people. You know, you wave, you can go a few little bit further and wave. Fortunately, I have a very easy commute to Reston down back roads. Then there was the greater use of technology. Okay, this one's a mixed blessing. I get it. And yet, uh, like in our metaphysical group this morning, we have our folks from North Carolina, and we usually have folks from Connecticut and other states who come and participate. We found ways to be together across the miles. And we have folks who watch live stream who didn't watch before. It wasn't all bad. So we did, though, let go of some past certainties and the expectations that things would be this particular way forever. And they weren't. And we have to lean into that. Lean into that call of Abraham. And there was a promise that was given to him, and I believe it is given to us if we choose to see it. We will be successful in our going forward, if we choose to be successful. We will be successful as long as we stay open and receptive to divine ideas. We will be successful if we look to others and say, what wisdom do you have to share to bring to the table so that we might continue to be a blessing to the world? I mean, that's what we're about here at Unity. And, and I realize things are different, and I think pre-COVID and things, oh, I miss, and I do. But I also feel a sense of anticipation and gratitude for what's emerging in our community and how we can go forward in service, who we can connect with that maybe we didn't connect with before. How can our messaging shift and change to speak to folks who, are, who were not born in the last millennium? You know, that was a thousand years ago anyway. <laughs> so now what?
can the center hold? Now, that was the question, because if you think in terms of political situation in not only our country, but in so many others around the world, it looks like there's a whole bunch of things to be concerned about. And we have this idea of the center. Well, one of the speakers said, well, sometimes the center shifts and change and moves. Just being in one place forever and always isn't always the best thing to do. Life changes. Situations change. The climate changes. The economy changes. How do we ensure that we are being responsive in a healthy and appropriate way? So that's a question we will all lean into and all co-create by the quality and the extent to which we personally remain centered. And to me, that's, the, that's the, the crucial point here. Because when we use this term centered, we're usually referring to our physical health, our mental health. It's, it's that state of knowing I feel okay. I can, I can deal. I can live life on life's terms and not be overwhelmed. That's what we talk about when we're when we're talking about being centered. It means we, we can be calm and yet still identify our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts, and respond to them, respond to the stimuli, rather than act out from that reptilian part of our brain, rather than, just the, rather than, than being always in that fight or flight mode that we often find ourselves in but rather staying open to its alternative, tend and befriend. As cultures that have survived challenges over time have broken free from the fight or flight reflex and adopted and integrated tend and befriend. Tend and befriend says, what do you need? How can I help you meet your need? And it also means expressing, this is what I need. This is what I would like from you. Not demand, but as a, as a request, a sharing. How can we co-create this world that we choose to believe, that we choose to believe we are creating? So being centered means doing those practices that allow us to calm ourselves. One of the wonderful centering practices that the Judeo-Christian tradition has offered from the very beginning is the idea of Sabbath. Taking a day and making it, as Abraham Heschel calls, a cathedral of time. A whole day, which in Jewish tradition begins at sunset Friday and goes to sunset Saturday, and putting aside the work putting aside the worries, and choosing practices and ways of being at peace, slowing down, giving ourselves over to prayer and meditation, and those sort of activities that fuel our sense of peace and calm. That takes a lot of forms. Now, you can follow the different traditions and, and their rules and regulations, because some of them have rules and regulations. Or you can build in this consciousness in your life on a daily way. Or as we might say, on the daily. 
How am I going to do Sabbath on the daily? How am I going to restore and revive my soul? And there are so many different ways, and we, we have already done some of them this morning. We have had a sacred reading from the Daily Word. We've engaged in singing, one of the most devout, devout spiritual practices there are. We have had prayer. We have had meditation. We have gone into that peaceful place. And yet there are countless others. I, I made a list of about 15, I'm not going to read them all, of spiritual practices that allow us to center ourselves and come to a point of peace. Hiking, we have a hiking club. Being out in nature, being in that forest bath, uh, forest bathing experience as the Japanese call it. Gardening. I saw the movie Sabbath recently by Martin Doblemeyer on PBS. And one of the things he shared in that movie was that Princeton Theological Seminary has purchased a farm. And the programs they do at the farm, they refer to as the farminary. Engaging gardening, engaging food production as a way of nurturing one's spirit and honoring the earth. In that same film, they highlighted a, a, a farm run by Jewish organization and highlighted that every seven years, one of the plots is not planted. That's the Sabbath year. But highlighting that connection and all those things we can do to the earth are Sabbath experiences that get us out of our heads, out of our worries, and connecting with the divine idea of life with a sacred intention. Well, there's one of my other favorites, bike riding. I love to ride up and down, whether it's to Percival or Alexandria or wherever I can ride on the WNOD. Running, which I think is an ideal practice for dogs and horses, but a lot of people seem to find that this is really a very centering experience. Walking walking a labyrinth like ours, creating art. We have some wonderful art projects coming up you'll hear about in the next month or so. Prayer, meditation, journaling, and of course, attending services at Unity of Fairfax or where else you're called to be. So how is it that all these practices support us in dealing with the facts of the day, in dealing with the polarization, the tribalism, and all this sort of stuff that's going on. How, when we see so many things that give us concern, that, that prompt us to take blood pressure medication, what, what do we do about all that? How do we encounter that sort of adversarial energy? One of the speakers we saw at Chautauqua is a man named Ibu Patel. And Patel is the founder of an organization called Interfaith America. And he offered an important piece of information and guidance. He said, we defeat the things we do not love by building the things we do. You see that? We defeat the things we do not love by building the things we do. So if we have a concern and we have a spiritual practice, we get calm, we get still, then we avail ourselves of the divine ideas for what can I do as a constructive measure to make the world a better, safer, more loving place. 
So I'll give you two examples from my own personal life. You all have plenty. I love the work we do in unity. I love the work of doing interfaith work. We hosted a, a Hindu satsang last night. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, so, so I engage with the activities that the unity movement offers. I was recently elected to the board of trustees for Unity Worldwide Ministries, looking to augment my capacity to further this teaching that is inclusive and welcoming for all. Let's build a world that works for everyone. Thank you. And here in, and here in Fairfax County, I'm a co-vice chair of the Clergy and Leadership Council, which is an interfaith group in our county that, again, is working with faith communities and county government to ensure a high standard of living for everybody in the county. You know, we look at interfaith work as a salad. This is how my friend Ramona Carroll puts it. She goes, interfaith work is like a salad. You throw in all the ingredients together. They all retain their original flavor. Uh, they are so much better when they're together. Mm. Think about your favorite salad. And then ask yourself, what kind of salad am I making in the world? What am I building? What am I adding light to? That's how we create a world that works for everyone. We build up the things that matter, that have meaning and purpose. You know, I don't know if it was Eleanor Franklin or Ben, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, Ben Franklin, or an ancient Chinese prayer proverb, because I've seen it attributed to all three, but there's this wonderful saying, and I know you know it, it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. You know, I see us all as candle lighters. And to know which candle it is we are to light, that's where our spiritual practice provides us guidance. The last thing I want to share with you is a, a picture of a greeting card I received this week. A dear friend, Christine Lyons, who used to be a member of Unity Fairfax, I met her at Unity of Wilmington when I was serving there, created this beautiful card. Believe there is good in the world. And, and I don't know if you can tell the different colors, but in blue it says, be the good. That's all. That's just another way of saying, be yourself. Be the good. When I opened the card, I was just so touched at her kindness. This is one of the most kind and creative people I know. But it also reminded me of a quote from Dr. King that said, let no man pull you so low as to hate him. You know, in this question about the center, we see so much negative speech going on. It's like, we can't add to that. That only adds more negative speech. But we can believe in the good, because wherever we are, and all manner of things shall be well, and they will be well if we bring it. And we don't even have to do anything different other than just to then remember who we are and be the good. That's your homework this week. Just let your light shine. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org.
We appreciate your donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.